Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second reading this morning is part of the conclusion for us as we have now drawn to the end of our series on discipleship. And it transitions us now into a period of when we begin Lent. So let us hear this reading this morning that comes from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9, which can be found on page 18 in the New Testament in the Pew Bible. Listen now to God's word. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came up and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man had been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, we ask that on this day our hearts may be opened, that our minds may be opened, that as we come here bringing what is on our hearts, that they may be filled with your Spirit, that it may show us the way you intend us to live in community with one another and with you, that we may grow deeply in spirit, that we may learn to trust more deeply as we seek to be your hands and feet in the world. Amen. So this is it. This is the last Sunday where we focus primarily on the act of discipleship. And it could not have been more fitting to end with this scene that we happen to stumble upon this morning. What I always find amusing about passages like this one is that as usual, as usual, the disciples don't seem to understand or at least appear not to understand, what is going on. When Moses and Elijah appear next to Jesus, having been cloaked with a radiant light. What happens afterward is a nod to our own response when we experience such a great revelation. And we will discover that as we dive into this passage, the problems that the disciples wrestle with are still the same problems we wrestle with and ask ourselves today. 
The question being, what does it mean to live as people who have been touched, people who have been transformed by the glory of the living God, who has a claim on our lives that are sealed in love? As much flack as I give the disciples, there are many things about them that we should look up to as people of faith. Things that we should look up to, not because they were perfect models of faith, because by all means they were far from being perfect, but it is because of that imperfection we should look up to them. They encapsulate what it means to truly wrestle with questions regarding faith and what it means to live as people who have been touched by the transforming love of God. Unfortunately, it doesn't take much for us to see the many ways, the oh-so-many ways in which we have failed to live as people who have been exposed to such life-altering love. The creation that God has called us to care for has been poisoned. The bonds that were supposed to unite us have been shaken by hate-filled and fear-filled ideologies. And the desire for profit over compassion has corrupted, corrupted the sacredness of the table where we break bread and share the cup without asking for anything in return. It's enough to make us stop and ask whether we can still feel, still see, still experience the glory of God in our midst. That is why it is so essential for us to go up to the mountain, to go up to the mountain like the disciples. It's an opportunity for us to get away from the busyness, to get away from the chaos, to get away from the hurt of the world. It's not a running away, it's not retreating, but it is taking the time we need to be reminded of how God's glory still shines through even the darkest of days. And it may be in that moment on the mountain, during our mountaintop retreat, where the demands and the teachings of Jesus sink in and we begin to process them in our hearts begin to change. But in order for us to hear Jesus, and I mean really hear Jesus, not with, with hands and ears slightly muted or hum, trying to hum or sing a tune over top of what Jesus is telling us, our hearts need to be aligned with what Jesus is telling us. It's something that we have been emphasizing throughout this whole series of what it means to be disciples, to be truly the hands and the feet of God. And this reminder is once again reinforced by a voice that booms out from the heavens that this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And this is where things get complicated, right? Because living out the teachings of Jesus, things that are meant to alter how we live our daily lives, means that we have to change what is at our core. That we have to change and reassess the priorities that we have set in our own hearts. It means that we cannot think of ourselves as individual units that are only concerned about ourselves, 
but as people who are intricately connected with everyone and everything that God has created. Irenaeus, an early Christian theologian, once said that the glory of God is in the one who is living. What does it mean? What does it look like for the glory of God to be in us as people who live? Because if our lives do not reflect the glory, the radically transforming glory of God, then what are we doing? We cannot try and engineer our own solution by ignoring the calling that God has given us. We cannot ignore the plank in our own eye and obsess over the speck that is in someone else's eye. Because it's only when we hear, when we embrace and act on God's transforming love and justice, that we become people who are truly living. It's then that we become people who are alive, living, who reflect the glory of God. It might be helpful then to think of ourselves, I think as Alan had pointed out to me one morning, that we are more like mirrors that reflect the glory of God. There was a, a meme that I saw this past week on one of my clergy groups on social media that had uh, the caption that read something like, if we are created in the image of God, does that mean we are all God's selfies? <laughs> it's funny to think of ourselves as God's selfies, but there's truth to what is being said there. Our ability to love without borders, our ability to give without expectations, is not something of our own doing, but by the grace and the power that flows oh so freely from the throne of God. And it is not something that can be contained in one experience, one moment, as Peter learns after he suggests that they try and build a monument to preserve it, that monument for Jesus, Elijah, and Moses. Because as Jesus converses with these two pillars of tradition, showing how Jesus is carrying on their work, we are reminded of how God has worked through the lives of a multitude of women and men who have learned that satisfaction is not gained through earthly pursuits, earthly treasures, but by carrying out God's love, God's justice, and God's reconciliation. As we end this series on discipleship with a reflection of what it means to be transformed, to be people who have been transformed, people who have been touched by God's life-altering love, we have a chance to pursue that mountaintop moment of clarity as we enter into the season of Lent. During the season of Lent, in which we are in a time of introspection, a time of reflection, may we be challenged by the words and the teachings of Jesus that we hear this morning, so that by the time we come out of our introspection, we are ready to tackle the hard work that Jesus asks of us. Because we are not people of just this time or of this country or of this certain place 
but we are people who have been called to be something so much more. So how are you going to let your life, your love, your actions, your energy, be a reflection of the transformative love of God? Because by taking this question to heart, perhaps, perhaps we can strive to be better members of the community, showing our love for one another, creating a space for voices that have long been silenced. Perhaps we can care for this wonderfully and beautifully created world, not only because it's the right thing to do, but because it was never ours to begin with. Because if we remember all the way back from Genesis, we were charged to be caretakers of this amazing gift. Perhaps if we reflect on this question of what it means to be transformed, we can go and be generous with how we use our time, our talents, our passions for caring for other people, whether it be here in our own church or in our community or wherever else, because our skills were meant to be shared. Perhaps we can continue to use and find new ways to use our facilities, our own space, to be a place where people from all walks of life, of all backgrounds, of all economic statuses, no matter really of anyone's life story, can find a place to grow, whether it be in one of our own services or community programs that share this sacred space. Because if we live like people who have been transformed, if we find that we open our hearts just enough to let that love in, and if we are willing to take on the hard work, and that is something we need to ask ourselves, then we will discover, we will find that we have become a more accurate, a true, genuine reflection of the light and the glory that comes from God. In doing these things, we live out a belief that faith is not for ourselves, that God is not ours and ours alone. We must be receptive to the reforming, the reshaping power of God's claim on our lives. And in doing so, our inward and outward change will impact others, allowing us to love more deeply trust more deeply. This act of transformation, the transfiguration, this act of faith is something that is communal. Love is communal. And embodying these things, we will tell the world that our hearts, that our hearts that were created in the image of God have been transformed as well so that it may be a benefit to all of humankind. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.